Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, as we observed the Feast of the Epiphany, January 10th, 2021. In the name of the loving, liberating, life-giving God, amen. Today we mark the Feast of the Epiphany. We remember the Magi coming to visit with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In a statement I made Wednesday, I noted that the word epiphany means to reveal, to uncover. On Wednesday, I had planned to record a really simple little video for Epiphany, to bless some chalk so we could bless our houses with it. The hour I had scheduled to record, I was hearing from friends and family and parishioners, folks from across the geography of my life. Have you seen what's happening in Washington? Have you seen the mob of thugs, looters, rioters, terrorists that broke into the Capitol building? Needless to say, I didn't feel I could share a simple video blessing chalk. I sat in front of my computer Wednesday afternoon, unable to do much besides scroll and to text friends back in Washington where I used to live to check in. There was a word that came up again and again as I read posts and talked with some family and friends. The word was shocked. I'm shocked this could happen. I'm shocked the rioters would be allowed into the Congress's chambers. I'm shocked the Capitol Police were so ill-prepared. Behind the word, I wonder if there wasn't a little shock that a large group of white terrorists would stage an insurrection and take the seat of government hostage. We've been taught subtly, subliminally, who to fear. The word terrorist connotes specific images, accents, skin colors. That's just one of the many words we use in times like these that expose biases. And those biases aren't just about the media. We saw on Wednesday, we saw undeniably on Wednesday, our police systems were unprepared for the threat they faced. As the president-elect said, We all know that if they were Black Lives Matter protesters, they would have been treated very differently. We need police reform. We do. And we know now we need it for the sake of public safety. We need police reform to make sure our government can continue to function. I want to be clear today. The sickness we saw on Wednesday, what was uncovered on Wednesday, it's not new. It didn't start two months ago with the election. It didn't start four or five years ago with the last election. The sickness we saw on full and shocking display on Wednesday has been with us since our very foundation. The sickness has been with us from the beginning. On Wednesday, January 6th, the Feast of the Epiphany, the sickness was uncovered again. If you are shocked... If you are disgusted, I want to invite you to take the next step. Get curious. Learn more. Don't just stay in a place of shock and disgust. 
make a decision to take a next step. The Reverend Dr. Willie Jennings has a name for the sickness that was uncovered. It's not one of the buzzwords. And that's hard for me because buzzwords help me label myself as woke. As a white person who has been through anti-racism training, I get really concerned about finding the right words. But getting the words right in a sermon condemning the riot Wednesday, it's not enough. And getting a corporate statement worded well, it's not enough. What we saw on Wednesday wasn't a foreign threat but a revealing of a sickness that has infected us all. The theologian Willie Jennings calls it white, self-sufficient masculinity. White, self-sufficient masculinity. And Jennings explains it's not first a person or a people. It's a way of organizing life. The sickness isn't a people. It's not a skin color. The sickness is a way of thinking, a way of being. In his book, After Whiteness, Jennings tells story after story from his career to illustrate. He speaks of a brilliant student from Hong Kong who speaks five languages, but whose paper is torn apart by a white American graduate assistant for small failures of grammar. The message behind all that red ink, you don't belong. And Jennings writes of a faculty interview process where a white man is hired over a black woman with equal scholarly credentials because in the interviews, it just seems like he might fit in better with the predominantly white, predominantly male faculty. In truth, Jennings says, these older men making the decision, they just all want to be the younger man. They admire his intellect, his youth, his swagger, but most of all, his confidence. Jenning writes of his own failures as a black leader to stand up for his black students when they've faced obvious frustrations at the Eurocentric curriculum and culture. And can't they see what he has already faced? What he's already done? Jenning explains white self-sufficient masculinity. It's a system of desire. We have, all of us, white people and people of color, been taught to desire to desire a sense of control, a sense of mastery, a sense that we can do this on our own. Like all of the idols, Jennings says, this false god robs us. It robs us of ourselves. When you're busy trying to seem invulnerable, it can become hard for you to let yourself feel what you feel. This sickness also principally robs us of one another. We are so addicted to being self-sufficient, being right, that we can't be vulnerable and let others in. We can't get close because we can't let others uncover our weakness. Weakness is at the heart of today's gospel story. At some point on the journey, the Magi take a wrong turn. They're close to the destination, and Bethlehem is within sight of Jerusalem. But as they came up out of the Jordan Valley, the kings got distracted. They turned the wrong way and ended up with Herod. The wise men got it wrong. Herod was known, is still known, as one of antiquity's master builders. And palaces that Herod built can still be seen from space today. 
The huge stones of the western wall are Herod's. Herod built the wall around the holy that still stands. If the Magi thought they were looking for a king, it makes sense they might turn toward the sumptuous palace, toward the man who already called himself king of the Jews. The Magi quickly realized their mistake. They get back on the road and are delighted to see that star still in the sky. In Bethlehem, they find not a child in princely robes, but humble, frightened folks that God has chosen as kin. God chose to be born hungry, naked, surrounded by the mess and vulnerability of creation. And it took getting it wrong for the Magi to figure out how to find God. At the end of the story, we read maybe one of the most fascinating phrases in the whole Bible. Herod has asked the Magi to come and tell him where to find the child. But the Magi are warned in a dream, the Gospel or Matthew tells us. And so they return home by another road. They chose another way home. They chose not to be distracted by worldly power again. They admitted they had been wrong to get caught up in Herod's game. They chose a different road. We can choose another road. There at the manger, something else was uncovered. This is the gospel, the good news. God is still with us. God is still here. Yes, ugly, terrible truths are uncovered all the time, but so too God's presence can be uncovered where we are taught to least expect it. It's not saying it's easy. A number of folks have asked me as a pastor, what can we do? How can we talk to our families and friends who voted similarly to those who staged an insurrection? How do we talk to folks who are aggrieved and who believe the lies that the election was stolen? I've heard a lot of talk this week about the need to work for peace. I've heard a number of elected officials and church leaders calling for reconciliation. I'm not praying for either of those yet. I'm not. One of the prayers in our prayer book asks God to help us fearlessly contend against evil, and make no peace with oppression. I'm not praying for reconciliation. I'm praying for conversion. I believe we need conversion before we can talk about peace. I'm praying that my neighbors will stop worshiping the false God of self-sufficiency, the false God of whiteness, the false masculine God. On Wednesday, there were more than a few signs and tattoos that proclaimed the lordship of Jesus on display in the Capitol. And as I said earlier, reporters have verified there were pastors in that crowd. I'm praying for their conversion. The Jesus I know invites us home by another road. The Jesus I know had no patience with lies. The Jesus I know was a child refugee fleeing Herod. Jesus was harassed and homeless. The Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. The Jesus I know was crucified by the powerful for preaching the good news of improbable love. Love that meant the hungry were fed, the naked were clothed, the imprisoned were set free. I'm praying for conversion. I'm praying for the conversion of folks who are caught up in the lies of a would-be tyrant. 
I'm praying for my own conversion as well. Because I too need Jesus. I need Jesus to help me lean into the uncomfortable conversations. I need Jesus to point the way, to be the star to guide me. There are times it would be so much easier to lean into my privilege, my sense I have the answers, my sense that I have the right words. I need Jesus to walk ahead of me and say again, come, let me introduce you to your sisters, your brothers, your siblings. Your job is to love. Your job is to love and to listen and to stand for justice. I know I won't get there on my own. I need Jesus. Pray for my conversion. I'll pray for yours. This epiphany, what road will you choose? Amen.